It's going good. How are you? Good, good. Can't can't complain. Good. Sure. That's good to hear. A lot of people can right now, so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I guess I could cam- complain, but you know, I'm not going to. I've, you know, I, I'm fairly privileged when it comes to this, and uh, and uh, I'm mentally capable of handling this kind of uh, isolation. So, I'm all right. I hear that. In certain ways, I feel that I have prepared my whole life to have to entertain myself from the comfort of my home. Yeah, exactly. It's just. Uh, not, not a whole lot's changed mentally for me. I'm like, oh, going out in public? I, no, I wasn't really cool with that anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I might as well just uh, stick to the indoors. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we miss we miss the hiking, of course, uh, but we'll get back to that, I think, in, in due time. Soon, soon. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So uh, you, we're uh, we're here. This is it. This is your this is your swan song, Sam. <laughs> it's uh, bittersweet. Yeah. So my first question is for you is, how dare you? <laughs> uh, ooh. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah. You're not getting off LTE pod with just a pat on the back. You're going to get razzed. Fair enough. Fair enough. You know, there's plenty of work to be done all over the place. And the Olympic Peninsula area in the state of Washington has a lot has a lot of forest carbon work up there too so rest assured i'll just be in another place doing the same stuff fantastic well so you wrote something so uh tell me a little bit about what you wrote about here um well my piece that i wrote for this month is really a response to a great question that you asked me brendan in our last podcast conversation which was about we were we were talking about the possibilities for shifting away from industrial, clear-cut plantation-style forest management. And I was bringing up the idea of a Green New Deal for our forests. And you said, well, what does that actually look like? And I thought, well, that's a really good topic for to explore more for a column, because that's a question that a lot of folks are asking right now, is what, in this moment of pause, when we're all kind of unsure of what's going to be happening next, and simultaneously when we're seeing billions of dollars being poured into destructive industries, getting poured into keeping afloat the same practices during this pandemic, um, we have an opportunity to dream. And so that's what my column is about, is dreaming what a Green New Deal can look like for our forests. Now, in in a lot of interviews that we conducted with uh, candidates who are running for commissioner or city council or mayor or whatever, a lot of the ideas that came to mind, they all sound good, but very few had practical, tactical ways of going about these somewhat pie-in-the-sky uh, ideas and platforms and everything. And and your piece, is it, it's, it's great, and I love the ideas behind it. Um, but maybe for you, like, what are some tactical things that you think can get can start moving the lever in that right direction. So maybe this thing could possibly be implemented sometime. Who knows? Hopefully in our lifetime. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to be clear too, that these conversations are happening at a national level. Um, but also at state levels, we had a recent executive order from governor Brown here in Oregon, um, that asked different agencies to, put forward a plan for greenhouse gas reduction. 
Um, and that includes the Oregon Department of Forestry. And so conversations about what a Green New Deal can look like are happening at all levels of management. Um, and, and so it's, it's definitely an exciting thing. Um, but I think that importantly, a Green New Deal has to be rooted in some specific values that we can all get behind. And one of them has to be rest, a, a value in stopping the ongoing destruction and moving towards restorative climate smart practices. And so that's not just practices that sequester and store carbon on the landscape, but practices that make sure that the land base is healthy and able to be climate resilient for a future in a, in a changing climate. So that's one value. And the second value is that there have to be jobs coming out of this, right? And so this is where the piece about how to, what is this, what does this actually look like and how do we employ people comes in? Um, in the column that I wrote, I compared what a possible model under a Green New Deal could look like to the um, Civilian Conservation Corps model that was established in the 30s under the original New Deal, um, which essentially um, provided money for, it was, it was all young unmarried men at the time, um, to go out and be, be somewhat gainfully employed with three square meals a day, um, room and board, um, in conservation projects. And so right now, as we're seeing all of this money coming um, in the form of, um, like I mentioned, buoys for the existing industries, what if we put that money into supporting jobs in conservation, jobs in restoration, jobs towards actually building a healthier land base and a more stable future. Um, and there's tons of different jobs that can come out of that. And I think that's where we get into some of the exciting conversations. Um, you know, there's jobs not only in going out to denuded, homogenous, young, unhealthy plantations and doing selective harvest, using prescribed fire on the landscape to repair um, to repair harmed lands. There's also um, tons of jobs that can be done in maintaining trails, um, maintaining the recreation opportunities, leading groups. Uh, I know it's hard to think about during COVID, but when all of these things lift, getting people into the woods, ongoing education in habitat management, in supporting um, beavers, which are critical now that now we know for riparian areas. Um, the options are kind of limitless if we allow ourselves to dream about it. Um, and then there's a whole other piece which we can talk about maybe in a bit of how do you even, you know, how, what are some ways that this can generate funds within itself? Um, but I think the question of what's possible is just, it's, there's endless answers. Now, if there was a, 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 an, a green industry that was putting out a call for job applica uh, applications, what what application, what job on that list would be like your your dream job if you could apply for something under this umbrella, assuming it was uh, enacted? Well, I would love to to be paid to restore land bases and go do land surveys, similar to what I do with my job with Cascadia Wildlands, going out to public lands and surveying them to see um, to see what kind of forest it is and what's going on in the landscape, understanding the history and what that specific place needs. I think, um, you know, my dream when I dream about a Green New Deal is that there are, you know, rural communities 
employed to care for the lands in their backyards. And that means going out and seeing them and doing site-specific work, exploring specific land bases and figuring out what they need and deciding on the on the management practice based on based on that site specific work, and that's being done right now on a limited basis um, by management bodies. But there's so much more room for employment, and these are opportunities, job opportunities for folks in rural communities, for folks who are currently employed in industries that are destructive industries. There are tons of exciting place based, hands on jobs in the woods. Um, that are in the industry of positive change rather than the industry of clear cuts. Yeah, and uh, and of course the if you on, on TV or whatever you'll see commercials that you know will say that you know big timber is restorative because they're planting these trees back in the ground and within generations they they come back up. So it's a kind of greenwashing um, that that you see uh, see there. So I I suspect that that's a lot of the pushback. That you see from extractive industries that are trying to, um, you know, they're they're, they're if they're going to go down, they're going to go down kicking and screaming, and if they have their way, they're not going to go down. Yeah, and I think you know those uh, those of us who spend time in the woods um, really do know the difference between a forest and a tree plantation um, or a tree farm, and um, you know I think that it's important to challenge to challenge the the suggestion that we can continue to do exactly what we've been doing and that we should, um, because not only is it not serving the environment and it's not serving the climate, but I don't think that it's serving our forest workers. I think that there, you know, obviously there's been a trend of, um, forest workers being pushed out of the industry because of increasing, um, mechanization, more technology, the need for less workers, um, I think that a Green New Deal offers actually an exciting just transition for those who are currently in the forest industry, not to put them out of work, not to pit jobs against environmental protection, but to get both of those things at the same time, to put people to work with good jobs um, and good paying jobs with union protection doing work that our woods need. And I think that's where, you know, we can tell a different story is that um, people, we don't need to pit jobs against ecological health. We can get both. And when you go out for your land surveys, uh, what, what does that look like? You know, what is the, what are you out there with? What are those tools and what are you looking for? And what are you jotting down as you're out on public lands? Yeah. Um, well, what we're looking for often depends on what the proposal is in the area of forest that we're visiting. So if we're visiting a forest that is slated for some sort of restoration style or logging in the name of restoration, then we'll go out there and we'll take notes on what the health, the current health, age, diversity of species, um, canopy layers um, is in that forest and and our, you know, based off of our observations, um, if it if the proposal if the management proposal makes sense in that area. And so we'll do tree size measurements, um, we'll do canopy measurements, slope measurements, um, we'll get an idea of how much um, board feet is in the area, um, and also species identification to try and understand, is this a homogenous forest? Is this a healthy, dynamic 
um, diverse forest? How old is it? And, you know, trying to understand, was there a fire here? Was it cut in the past? Really trying to understand the needs of the land base. And that includes all the species that rely on it. So we'll look for habitat um, for important and threatened species, such as the marbled murrelet. Um, really just getting an understanding of the places that we rely on for our water um, and for our recreation opportunities. Um, so yeah, I would say we go out there with a bunch of different tools that typical foresters use, um, but the idea is to build a relationship with the land um, and to, to try and understand piece by piece, site by site, what it needs. And you said earlier about uh, a Green New Deal and how to go about generating funds for it. And uh, one presumes the, the kind of jobs that would be, you know, well-paying, put food on the table, family-supporting type jobs that would, uh, that if we can successfully pivot, that, uh, that it's possible. So uh, maybe you can expand on that. Yeah, well, definitely it's possible to provide good jobs, and I think that in and of itself is obviously a way of supporting the economy um, and bolstering this process. But there's also, you know, one thing that a lot of folks don't realize is that there is massive subsidies right now going into destructive clear-cut style management. And, uh, you know, a, a smart, reasonable reconsideration of financial expenditures in, um, in the state of Oregon would warrant a reconsideration of where we're directing those funds. If we're, you know, if we're subsidizing destructive industries, why instead don't we end that and put those and, and take that money that we're already spending and put put it into subsidizing climate smart forestry? Um, you know, there's all kinds of discussion of polluter pay programs um, and incentivizing those who are going to begin that transition, which is really exciting. Actually, imagine, you know. Imagine managers getting money from the government that says you don't need to clear cut. We want you to try and practice climate smart forestry and you're being subsidized to do so. Um, so there's, you know, there's those like creative redirecting of existing funds. Um, and then there's the reality of generating revenue in the woods from tourism and recreation and education and fishing and hunting and um, harvesting of edible and medicinal plants and, and herbs. Um, you know, the woods are constantly providing us with ways to, um, with ways that, 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 that we could bolster our own local economies. Um, it just, we're not looking at them with the right lens. We're seeing them only as producers of timber, but if we take a step back and widen our lens, then suddenly there's all of these other opportunities too. Oh, fantastic! Well, Sam, this is uh, these are the kind of conversations that people are going to miss since you know, as you move from Oregon and continue the great work you do up in the Evergreen State. So, uh, I, I don't know if there's anything else you'd like to to say here in your sort of uh, your final your final podcast with LTE. Feel free. Uh, if not, um, I wish you the best of luck. But I don't know. Do you have anything else you'd like to add? Well, thanks, Brendan. Um, it's been a real pleasure having these conversations, and I'm definitely going to miss them too, but look forward to continuing the work. I guess the one other thing I'd add just in terms of the conversation and a lot of the other conversations is that it really, these efforts need to be led by those who are at the forefront of these 
struggles, those who are the stakeholders, um, those who are most impacted by these decisions, um, and those on the front lines. Um, and so that includes, you know, indigenous communities, that includes rural communities, that includes people who are really being impacted by clear-cut style management and all of these practices we've been talking about. So, yeah, I guess I just want to highlight not just the transition, but a just transition, an equitable transition. Um, so I look forward to the work continuing. Thank you, Brendan, for the time and for all of your thoughts. Of course. And, you know, I should I should also add that as long as I'm in charge of this podcast, you all, of course, have an open invitation. I, I don't care if you're you're doing germane work uh, up in, you know, now in Oregon, but uh, you're soon in Washington. So if you ever want to come and just talk shop about what, what you're up to, uh, I'm sure listeners will will always want to hear what you have to say. Well, heck yeah. Count me in. Awesome. Cool.